Good evening, welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayel Upondwana here on SFM, leading the conversation. It's a one-hour conversation, so it is advisable for you to start dialing right now if you'd like to have a chance to engage us on the program. We have a very interesting conversation. Not the first time we're dealing with it, but we're trying to get deeper information on the subject. We're talking about patriarchy within religion, and we have guests that will give us some perspective. This on the back of a very uncomfortable comments to listen to in a clip that was um, unknowingly recorded of uh, Reverend Dr. Mayan who said some comments that did not fit well in the current political spectrum. I'll give you some examples he said as far as his theology. He's an African theologian and there is no way that a woman can ordain a man Uh, what happens with those breasts and then why is it that uh, people are comfortable with a man being touched uh, referring to the ordination by a woman and how would that family and the wife of that man being ordained by a woman feel watching her husband being ordained by a woman things like those it was a series of um, statements one after the other to a point that he used also an, uh, uh, an expletive of sorts uh, the one we use to chase away dogs, uh, that, that, that expletive. And um, we are told that that statement that was recorded was recorded and broadcast out of context and it was not meant to be a derogatory statement. So those are the statements that sparked much of the brouhaha about the issue of uh, theological understanding of the role of women in ministry. Now, understand the word ministry is a very broad word. It's a very broad word. And so we are going to be breaking it down to a series of definitions to know exactly what it is that our guests mean when they speak of ministry. And ultimately, the focus will be uh, patriarchy within religion. Take note, this conversation is not purposed to escalate a particular view or downtrod a particular view it is however purpose like any of our conversations purpose to be a an in-depth understanding of what people are saying and are believing within those communities of faith now when we come back we're going to play a clip for for you from one of our guests uh, reverend dr adibu singh who speaks also after or in the aftermath of the leaking of that tape of uh, Reverend Dr. Mayan and she gives commentary about that as well. She'll give you an explanation of what she views needs to be done and how she was received in the ministry. We'll chew on those experiences a little bit and then we'll delve into the conversation for tonight. Now I'm going to ask you once again to understand that the questions we ask are not because we agree or disagree with our guests. These are questions that have been crafted to elicit information that we believe will be vital for the nation to chew on continuing forward uh, as we're trying to grapple with things that are not orthodox, commonplace and freely understandable by the common man, which is who I am, the common man. And we're trying to help everyone who's listening to understand. So, hoping you understand our question tonight patriarchy within religion what exactly are we talking about there can we really really say that religion or our faiths are non-patriarchal as society is trying to push that 
trajectory, that line, how should it be addressed? The issue of patriarchy. Many times we talk about the role of religion and strengthening patriarchy in society or weakening patriarchy for that matter, depending on which side of the argument you come from. But within religion, how should patriarchy be addressed? The last time we spoke to Dr. Mdende, she gave interesting, interesting uh, uh, representations on behalf of the uh, African faith, uh, suggesting that it has always been patriarchal and patriarchy does not translate to oppression. Phenomenal, phenomenal and outstanding remarks made by the doc, good doctor. So we invited her again to come and be part of our conversation just to give her a uh, point of view uh, because this is a conversation that can uh, continue uh, unabated um, and it could go on all directions. What is religion's position on gender relations and how does this impact behavioral manifestations in institutions of faith? Can we, can we really say that um, we have any grip on the issue of patriarchy within religion? Or have we just left it to the political community to address? This is what we're talking about. It's a very uncomfortable subject to deal with. And I'm hoping we're all going to try and tread carefully and be pleasant one with the other. And I do promise that um, if we can be civil at the very least and uh, be brief and respond to the questions and uh, give our understanding succinctly, we might come out on the other side with a better understanding of the subject at hand. I'm Nayelo Pondwana. This is Facts of Faith. The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Here we go, let me introduce you to our guest for tonight. In no particular order, we do have on the line Dr. Nogozola Mdeende, a practitioner and leader of African indigenous religion, author, a diviner, a former lecturer at the University of Cape Town, and the leader of Ikamago Institute. Dr. Mdeende, good evening to you, Ma, and thank you very much once again for coming through and giving us your insights. Uh, good evening, Naye, and uh, the listeners. Thank you for inviting me. It's always Indeed. a pleasure. Very sensitive and indeed. complex topic. Indeed, indeed. We do also have on the line Reverend Dr. Dibusing Liwaga uh, Kechabile. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly. The Women in Ministry Connection Coordinator of the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. Dr. Dibusing, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Naya, and good evening to your listeners as well. Thank you for inviting me. The pleasure is all ours, ma'am. And in the studio, my personal hero, she's here. She always comes to the studio. We always appreciate guests who make the effort to come to the studio. We do have Rabbi Julia Margolis. Rabbi Julia Margolis is the chairman of the South African uh, Center for Religious Equity, Equality. Equality, rather, and Diversity. And she's the only female rabbi in South Africa. Good evening to you, Rabbi. And thank you very much for once again for good coming. Good evening, Naya. Thank yes. you. 
much for having me. And yes. Good evening to all the listeners. I went through your website uh, today and I discovered more about you and this American Association. We'll talk more about that later on or maybe okay. some other time. But thank you very much for, to, um, for, for you coming through to talk to us. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. So the lines are open right now. 0891 Don't forget that each and every time when we pick up a call, uh, please make sure that you're brief in your question or comment so we're going to be able to have our guests respond also in their responses and comments. They'll be brief so I can try and cover a lot of ground already. It's 14 minutes after 7. Cat Summer on Fui, where music brings people together this festive season. With a little help from RJ Benjamin, JR, Kube Kombata, Toko Zombambo, Slick Angel, Tamara Day, Brendam Tambo, Nomvundo Kaluva, Zano, Good Luck, Tandin Tuli, and Louise Carver. We bring the SABC3 stage to life. Visit our social media pages to see when your favorite is on our stage. Festive season music specials on SABC3. The Pakistanis are here. The Proteas are ready. The cricket fans are waiting. Join us for the third Test Cricket Series coming to you live from Bidvest Wanderers in Johannesburg starting from the 11th of January till the 15th of January 2019. Live from 10 a.m. Bring on the cricket and catch summer with SABC3. Facts of Faith on SAFM. We're going to be in our conversation with the rabbi in the studio. Uh, so, uh, rabbi, patriarchy, just paint the picture of patriarchy in your faith. For most of its yes. history, uh, Judaism was and still is a patriarchal religious tradition. And the traditional domain of women in Jewish life was the home, which despite the protests of um, apologists was not a religious institution with communal influence. Even when women were responsible for preparing the food, for example, the person who is um, uh, uh, in charge of uh, the laws of kashrut, the laws of uh, dietary laws um, in Judaism will be the male. Correct. Um, religious activities that took place in the public sphere outside the home, for example, study, prayer, um, Worship. studies, acts of loving kindness, they yeah. were always considered mandatory only for men. Women occupied um, space in the Jewish house of prayer and were admitted to the study house at all. So while the reform movement, my movement, your side, your my, guys, my, yes. my movement, yeah. came in the 19th century and they adopted uh, some measures in order to have the equality between men and women and um, to put the role of the woman in the synagogue to a different space, it's not only until 1970s yeah. did the structure of Judaism actually began to change in response to all the feminist critique that came and started to be in different um, spheres of life. Um, when I went and I looked at all the women that were mentioned in the Bible, and as you said, Previously, we, we did have this discussion some time ago, yeah. but I believe it's a subject that can go on for, indeed, for, indeed, for a really indeed, long indeed. time. Only few women were mentioned in the Bible by name and by, and by their role mm. and suggesting that they were very rarely in the forefront of the public yeah. life. And, for example, um, we had the, our matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, yeah. Rachel, yeah. Leah, Miriam, yeah. and then we had the 
Deborah the prophetess. Yeah. We had the judge Hulda, and yeah. then we had Abigail the prophetess. Yeah. Yeah. She married David. Yeah. So, according to Jewish tradition, a covenant was formed between the Israelites and the God of Abraham at Mount Sinai. Yeah. When God spoke to Israelites, He spoke to man and woman as one. I'm sorry. Help me understand where you get that because there is no biblical evidence for that. The covenant was worded in such way that it bound men to act upon its requirements and to ensure that the members of their household, meaning wives, children, slaves, met these requirements as well. But that still doesn't answer my question. Where do you get that? What, what, what evidence do you have to suggest that God spoke to both men and women? Because we know for a fact that your Bible will tell us uh, that uh, it was only Moses who went up to speak with God. Absolutely. But when Moses gives the message from God, yeah. he speaks to one. Oh, sure. sure. So, he so, talks to children of Israel. Granted. He doesn't say that it's only for men of Israel. Yeah. He talks to everyone. Granted. If that's what you mean, that's all right. So yes. why, why, why is Judaism patriarchal? Or at least Orthodox Judaism. I understand Reform Judaism is not like that. Right. That's why you're a female rabbi. But why is Orthodox Judaism patriarchal? Marriage and family laws, for example, in uh, biblical times, they favored men over women. Why? For example, husband could give divorce a wife, to a wife if he yeah. chose to, yeah. but a wife could not divorce a husband without his consent. But why? The practice is still the same, actually, until today, which brings a lot of problems with a woman that in Hebrew is called aguna, the chained woman, that the husband just decided he doesn't want to give her divorce just because he doesn't want to give divorce. But and there is nothing she can do about that. I'll tell you why I'm asking this why question repeatedly. Yes. is because we know for a fact that it is Moses that gave that instruction that if you were going to divorce your wife, for whatever reason, you must give her a writ of divorce. And that is the only, only mention of divorce in, in your Torah about divorce. So You have uh, to understand that Torah yeah. is, is towards the woman. It's a Talmud. It's a traditional teachings that came later on yeah. that were written by men yeah. that favored men. That's why I'm not even referencing the, the Talmud. I'm Women depended the on men economically. Okay. All right. Women generally did not own property, except in very rare cases. But that's, which I, I can, I, that's not true, again, because we know for a fact that... Um, daughters of Tilfrad, which if I have time, I can talk about that. Yes, yes. And also, again, um, if the father does not have sons, then girls will inherit. But if there are sons, girls will not inherit. All right. I want, just hold the thought. All right, okay. I, I want to bring in uh, the rest of our guests so that we can uh, engage in this conversation together. We do have Reverend Ibu Singh, who is a Methodist um, uh, minister. Uh, I'm hoping I'm using the right phraseology. But before we have her speak, I want you to listen to what she had to say in the aftermath of the comments by uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Mehan. Uh, she said a lot of things and she touched on the Mehanai situation as well. Listen to the the Christ we follow, as Richard Niebuhr puts it, is a Christ within a life-giving culture. But he is also a Christ who stands against a life-destroying culture. The culture we had from the clip between Reverend Mehana and Mr. Sibanga is definitely a life-destroying culture. When I came into the ministry, 
I was told that because I've chosen to be a man, because ministry was and is still associated with maleness, I should wear a young man's guilt waistcoat and put aside my young woman's manano uniform. It was not a matter of discussion. It was a do or die situation. The fight for gender equality against toxic masculinity is a fight for humanity in which both men and women must be involved. We call for all Methodist people, young and old, black and white, men and women, clergy and laity, to engage in challenging conversation, private or public. Challenges, challenge jokes and so-called theologies that denigrate, dehumanizes, and destroy on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, age, and size. Women ministers in the Methodist Church, we therefore call for the following. The implementation and adherence to resolutions as they relate to women in ministry and women in general. That 40-40-20, which has been passed by the 2012-2018 conference as a policy, be implemented as a matter of agency by electing women clergy as leaders at connection and district level starting this year, 2019. That all policy documents, including constitutions of organizations, be re reviewed to reflect adherence to the Book of Order and commitment to transformation and equality. That is uh, Reverend Debu Singh who speaks there and you heard her comments. Won't be able to chew on everything she said. She's here now to speak to us and we can engage her as well. 0891-104207-0891-104207. Once again, Reverend Debu Singh, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. So now tell us in, in your understanding, um, where does patriarchy fit in in your faith? In my faith. Yes, Reverend Doctor. Yes, I a Christian. I mean, almost all the cultures of the world are patriarchal. You will hear about a community in Ghana, which is matriarchal. You will hear about a community in Lepopo, which is matriarchal. But the majority of our communities all over the world are patriarchal. And Christianity was born out of this. You see, the early church fathers, they blamed Eve for every sin of the world. Uh, because they say Eve tempted um, um, Adam. So that has been the way things were uh, from the beginning. Um, but Christ came to change the status quo because Christ came to die for all of us. That's why we say we are created. The Old Testament, Genesis will say, 
everybody is created in the image of God. I know we have two creation stories. One says a woman came from a man, but the other one says God created them all at the same time. Remember that now because patriarchy is patriarchy, then it will want to use the story that actually says a woman was created from the reed. And also remember, this is a myth. This is how those people during their time understood their beginnings. Now, uh, Christianity has been, but Christ came and died for us and died for everybody. And if we look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, Christ included everybody, not only Jews, even the Gentiles. He communicated with them. He healed them. And they were involved in, 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 in his ministry. They were there in Christ when Christ was talking to people. So Christ gave us that liberation okay. that all of us are children of God. I can understand that, Reverend Doctor, and I have no issue with what you've said so far, save for the uh, two creation stories. We'd only have one in your Bible. There's only one that is um, uh, as documented there. Uh, that one that you're referring to of both of them created, it's clinically extra-biblical because your Bible will say that he created them male and female and out of the rib of the man, uh, your God created the woman. It cannot be that they were created together if out of the rib of the other one was created. That's a conflict of theology right there. So from your scriptures, I'm going to ask that we speak exclusively from your scriptures as a Christian uh, representative and no extra scriptural references because for now, what trying to get the scriptural position of your faith. If your faith believes that there is a scriptural predicate for what you're suggesting, then you can afford us that uh, benefit of sharing with us the text that says there's two of them. But mainly, uh, Reverend Ibu Singh, I'd like to understand, as far as the office of priesthood, which is generally, um, which has generally been the office of, of, of leadership in the churches as we have them up until at least the cross. Uh, there had never been an example. Or do you know of any example of a woman who acted or performed the work of a priest? Well, it, 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 it depends what you mean by performing the, the acts of the priest. I mean what the Bible and refers to a priest, a Levite, Reverend Doctor. Okay, now you are talking um, up until the the, the, cross, the time of the cross. Correct. Yes. Yes. Look. At least for Christians, Christian. up until the time of the cross, for Christians, because Orthodox Jews still continue. They don't have a Christ who's a high priest. They don't have Christ who's a great sacrifice. For them, it still <laughs> continues. So yeah, for the Christians, up until the cross, you may continue, Reverend Doctor. Up until the cross. Yes, ma'am. Look, um, um, uh, Naya, as Christians. We're saying we are followers of Christ. So we act the way Christ has acted. Okay. You will remember that during the time of Christ, there were 12 disciples. But over and above the 12 disciples were other disciples. And we also had 
people like Mary and Martha who will sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from Jesus. Correct. Those people were, for me, disciples of Christ because Christ allowed them. Discipleship is not leadership, ma'am. It's not even the office of priesthood. We're talking about leadership as in the office of priesthood. We understand very well that there were followers of Christ who were called disciples. But interesting enough, in the evidence that we see in the book of Apostles, in the book of Mark, Luke, and John, uh, perhaps some in the book of Matthew, but leading up to the book of, uh, of Acts of the Apostles, you don't see any of them who were disciples translated now to become apostles. None of the women were referred to as apostles. Not even the women that are highlighted in the Christian Bible, like, uh, 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 oh, I forgot her name now, it will come to me right now. None of these women were referred to as apostles. Why? Well, maybe the word is found... Dorcas. Dorcas, that's the name I was, I was forgetting, forgetting. Go ahead. Okay. Maybe the word itself was never used. But look at what they did. Look at Fudi, look at other women who were able to do exactly what disciples were doing. Yeah. Disciples will go and bless others. Disciples will go and take care of those who are sick, those who need um, clothing, those, you know, all that. Correct, yes. We're doing exactly that. All right. One final question before uh, before I move on to um, uh, 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 Dr. Mdende. Um, when you speak of the work that was done by Phoebe, by Dorcas and all these women, you speak of work that was hardly ever done by these other guys. Quite frankly, they relegated that work that was done by Phoebe and Dorcas and the like uh, to the women. But when we speak of the work of a reverend as your title, your honorific, this is some a title that is a title akin to that of a man. And I'm going to use this definition because when you listen to what Paul says to Timothy and to the Ephesians and so forth, he says a man must be honored, but a woman must be loved. And the honorific that you are using in your prefix as your title is the title reverend. And the very etymology of that title is that which is supposed to be done to a man as far as your scripture is concerned. Hence, I'm asking, do you have any scriptural support that women were supposed to be uh, uh, honored the way men were honored or revered as men were supposed to be revered? And by the way, by the instruction of Paul and Moses, the great protagonists of the Christian Bible as we have it today. You see, uh, Naya, yes, ma'am. in the patriarchal, patriarchal uh, society, these labels might not be used, but if you look at what women like um, Miriam, the sister of Moses, yes. women, they have done things that men were doing without being given those labels. Actually, uh, when, when, when Colin spoke to Timothy, he just praised even with Timothy's mother, yeah. that he has done a very good job. But the labels were never used. Then why are women going for these labels if they're not important, Reverend Doctor? No, but, but I said to you, culture changes. Culture is not static. Yeah. Listen, in the Methodist Church, it took time for them to discuss whether it's possible to bring women in as ministers. And when they look theologically, debating issues theologically, 
they show that there is nothing that prevents women actually yeah. to be ministers in churches. What, what do you mean by minister, Reverend Doctor? What's your but understanding is, or definition of a minister? I'm, here I'm talking about different types of ministries. We have ordination, like priests that I am, ah. ordained ministers. But ordination is nowhere in your Bible. You don't find ordination in your scriptures. I'm looking for something that would be scriptural. Do you have any scriptural support? Ordination is not a scriptural ordinance. It's a Catholic ordinance. Okay, let me say then, the calling. Okay. All the apostles were called, isn't it? Yeah. That is scriptural. Correct. And when I come forward, I say I feel the call to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Okay. That is let me bring in Dr. Mdende as well. Dr. Mdende, you're listening to your colleagues and would like to, to understand patriarchal or patriarchal uh, 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 theology from your faith. Do you have your faith uh, barring women or welcoming women into roles that are generally known to be patriarchal? The stance of patriarchy or your stance as far as patriarch is concerned, as far as your, your faith is concerned, Dr. Mdende? Uh, thank you, Nay. You know, I've been listening to you. I can see that you are a, a, a clergy. Mm. Uh, but what you must also understand is that behind there is there is this man. Uh, I, I want to first introduce myself, just one minute, Nay, that I'm also a, a womanist liberation theologian. And... When we talk about religion, we talk about something that is personal, and we part to practice it amongst people, people who are based in certain cultures. And we must also understand, as South Africans, that uh, there are many policies, and we talk of gender-based violence uh, in many ways uh, to curb uh, the, the, this uh, violence. But instead of being curbed, uh, it's becoming more complex, then we must ask our ask ourselves some questions. What are we missing? To me, because we've got policies, but even these policies, they don't speak to the uh, lived reality. We must separate between theory and reality. What is happening now in South Africa is that we, 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 we focus mostly on theory and not on uh, a reality. Now, when you come into your answer, when you talk about patriarchy, yes, I'm from a patriarchal society and I'm a, I'm a spiritual being. Patriarchy, as far as I understand it, does not necessarily mean suppressing the other gender from my uh, religious perspective. It goes together with responsibility and uniting the families, complementing the other gender. And in order to implement that, there are rules, there are regulations that the families must have preventative measures because religion is practiced by human beings. And and the problem, other problem that I've noticed is that most of us today, we we are having fear to talk out the truth, because in case of being labeled or being harassed or whatever. Now, my point is that from my religious perspective, yes, it's patriarchal, but when it is patriarchal, patriarchal as it is, 
we recognize that there is behind this clergy there is a human being who has been created <coughs> with other factors. Let me make an example. And that is the reality. I know men are not going to like it. But men is males are generally a weak species. Whether it's a clergy or not a clergy, they are generally a weak species. One friend of mine told me that to be a clergy starts from the head up to the navel. Then below, below that is just an ordinary human being. So with us from my religion, for instance, we have, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I would say I'm a clergy, yeah. but being that clergy of African traditional religion, for instance, there are things that I partake to males, but to those males, these are the males that I'm related to, yeah. because we must understand uh, 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 women we men have got that part of their body that they cannot control. They are weak of it, whether they belong to the born again or whatever, that they can control it. So in my tradition, that is being prevented. That is why it is somebody who is related by blood. Yeah. So even with me as a woman, I cannot be touched my breath by a male that I'm not related to. Yeah. It should be a male that I'm related to because there is this nature part of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is why you are saying, let alone that our men today are using culture selectively yes. to satisfy their own selfish interests. Yeah. But if we are talking about the pre-colonial culture, it was done to complement each other. Indeed. And again, even the rules, you can find it. Unfortunately, now, even us as women, we are coming from different levels. And we find that those women who are urban, who are educated, who are Christian, yeah. they dictate yeah. to women on African traditional religion. Yeah. So you find that with them who are saying, uh uh, it doesn't do it doesn't work like this. So let us be quiet. So we are not uh, uh, having a healthy dialogue. Yeah. That uh, is why we are saying, then the, uh, uh, that we'll find that women um criticizing the Sony Pakistan. Yeah. The Sony Pakistan where a daughter in law is not I'm talking about culture now, Correct. not spirituality. Yes. Yeah. Where a daughter in law is not allowed to shake hands with the father in law. Yes. But this daughter in law can shake hands with the grandfather of the husband. If that is not oppressive because it's protecting interest. Yeah. Incest, sorry. It's preventing incest. So, uh, allow me to interject to right there, Dr. Mdede. Because even the father-in-law is not supposed to shake hands with the daughter-in-law. Yeah. This is complimenting each other. But Dr. Mdede, permit me to interject. One -sided, one gender. I need so to take a break. Saying, let us go back and find out 
Why was this custom formed? What changed? What are we doing now? Because it's useless for our... Dr. Mdede, please allow me to take a break. I'm going to take a break and come back. We'll come back and continue our conversation. By the way, I am not clergy. I have never been to theological school. I am never going to be there. I am a journalist, so please. I am not clergy. I'm a journalist. Let's show you the fun, the sun, the highs, the lows, the obsession, the glory, the fans, the players, the experience. Unforgettable moments, unforgettable game. Stay tuned as the Pakistan One Day International Tours take to SA Soil from the 19th of January, live on SABC3 and Radio 2000. Get ready to experience heated action as we bring you a summer of cricket. SABC Sports for the love of the game. Facts of Faith on SAFM. All right, you're still listening to the Facts of Faith with me, Nayelu Pondwana. We're trying to get to the bottom of the issue of patriarchy, and we know how many conversations have been had ever since with Reverend Dr. Mayan. So I want to take some calls for our guests to come and respond to what you've been listening to, trying to grapple with the issue. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but we still have to have it nonetheless. Let's go to our calls. Go to Ali. Ali's in Brown Fisherville. Good evening, uh, Ali. Yes, Hi, Ali. Yes, Briefly, yes. go ahead. I, I, I'm interested in it, whether you see women have got this problem that sometimes when you say that God says through Paul, they say you must wait about Paul, you're not going to listen about to Paul. But I think if you believe it, it is God's word, sola scriptura, let's go with it. Yes. But if you, 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 you know, ultimately they're going to say, let us have our mother who are in heaven. Yeah. And that, I mean, even if you go to the scriptures, there's nothing like a deaconess. They are deacons, and there were seven men. Yeah, yeah. The, even being the seventh one, and you go to the foundation and the gate of the New Jerusalem, you've got names of men: the twelve sons of Jacob, the twelve apostles. Why is that? Why is and, that, Ali? Unless if they want to change the order of God, good luck to them. But the God they worship is the God who has instituted that hierarchical uh, ah, system. So you believe it's God that instituted the hierarchy. Okay, thank you very much, Ali. Appreciate your call. Go to Professor Zwane in Durban. Good evening, Professor Zwane. Good evening, sir. Go uh, ahead, Professor. I want to comment about uh, this topic. In our church called Nazarene of Nazareth, women does not allowed to stand in front of men because women must kneel down in front of men. So she will not allow to ordain men. Why, Professor Zwani? Why? Where, where, where do you get that in your church? Where do you get that in your scriptures? Do you use the Christian Bible? Yeah, it's from the Bible. Where uh, in the Bible do you get that women must the, kneel the, before the men? I, I haven't got the scripture, but it's from the Bible that women must not stand in front of men. Well, if I were to tell you, Professor Zwani, there is no such scripture, um, um, uh, 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 would you be able to come back to that? Would you be able to come back and give us the actual scripture? Because uh, as far as your contemporaries um, who have done PhDs on theology, they have no text of, 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 of uh, that Unfortunately, uh, I forgot the, 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 the scripture. No, of course, that's what, all right. That's all right, Zervin It's all right. It's all right. If you ever come back to that uh, text and come across it, please share it with us because you're never going to find it in your Bible. In another document, yes, but nowhere in the scripture that says women must bow to men. But hey, I'm sure you'll find it since you've read it before. Let's go to Patrick. Patrick is in King Williamstown. Good evening, Patrick. 
Yes, good evening, Naye. Hi, Patrick. Yeah, to help the the, the Dr. Zwane. Mm. That is uh, first, first Timothy. Okay. Uh, chapter two, verse twelve. All right. I do I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. That is where the, the, the thing originates. From. Hold on, hold on, uh, Patrick. Um, I have no issue with that. I'm asking about the part where women have to bow and kneel before men. That was my focus. I have no issue with uh, women and, and all of what you're saying right now. I'm talking about the issue of women bowing or kneeling before men. There is no such scripture. Oh, now, okay. My question now, now, yeah. originally, now I just wanted to help the reverend there. My, my question was, I want uh, your guests there to agree on one or of the two things. About the, do they agree on the story of creation? And second, the, the birth uh, of Christ uh, without the involvement of men. One of the two must be untrue for them. So I want them to agree. Jesus was born without the involvement of men. And then second, first... I'm sorry, the, the part, the, yeah. the part of, of Jesus' birth, what does it have to do with our conversation tonight? No, it has all to do with, 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 with your conversation. Explain it to me, please. In order for you to understand clearly that there's no bias in the Bible. The bias is straightforward. It's clear. It's not that it's favoring one side over the other. So, in other words, it's not uh, uh, denigrating uh, uh, women in, in whatever way. It is not denigrating. For example, now I had to come then they're saying that, uh, talking about men having no control over themselves. We read in the Bible of a young, handsome uh, Joseph um, uh, against whom a queen uh, Potiphar forced herself. And then she uh, <laughs> uh, run away from Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear your argument there, but you'd be hard-pressed to find another example. Quite frankly, the point that Dr. Mdende was making is, is, is predicated on the very foundations of mankind. The man was given the instruction to do what he was supposed to do, but he did not listen. And that is why the man was punished. If you read the book of Genesis, God says, because you listened to the woman. Man is, by definition, throughout Scripture, save for that example, the weakest link in the whole process. There is no example of a man being strong in the Bible to do what God has actually instructed him, which is, I suppose, uh, the point that Dr. Mdende is making there. You'd be hard-pressed to find an example of a man who was as judicious in his whole conduct, self-conduct, as Joseph, the Joseph you're, 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 you're referencing. Or do you have another example for us, please? The Bible is full of all, all religions for to... Uh, Give me one example. Give me one example, Patrick. I, 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 I look at them. The, the, what is the example? Look, look at the, at, at the examples that I've given you. I said to, 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 to the story of Joseph to show that. And I said Bible, that's the only example you have. What I was making is that the Bible is not biased. Okay. In other words, it's not favoring women over men. So okay. the Bible is a straightforward book from God. For example, how many ribs do you have now? I don't know. I didn't count them. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that that is not the point. I understand where you're get going with it. I want to move on to our guests to, have, to respond to your questions. Um, uh, let's begin with the rabbi here in the studio. Rabbi, you're listening to the callers and your contemporaries. And um, it's a subject that can take us for months and, and only years. Have one hour. <laughs> exactly. And we're really running out of time. And I think we all agree between us that all the religions are patriarchal.
And if we will think about Judaism again, there is a Jewish prayer in the morning recited by men. And they say, blessed are you, Lord, our God, rule of the universe, who has not created me a woman. More than this, I can't give you another example. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can give you, yeah, but yeah, yeah. this is the point that when we think about how more can religion can be patriarchal, then here is a great but example. But our guests for that. are saying that it is not religion that is patriarchal. It is the God who said it that way. If I will talk, for example, out of the subject of Judaism about the Catholic Church, that still forbids we, we, ordination we, of women. We cannot speak about the Catholic Church. They're not represented here today. I know. This is unfair. why I wanted just to say a few words. Just uh, It would be unfair on them uh, to not be true. represented. Yeah. Okay. okay. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is that it, it, the idea why they are not allowed to become priests is, yeah. is because it plays part uh, of the Christ and then what happens to male and why Christ did not ordain woman, even that. And I know that there is a lot of debate going on now. What was the relationship between Christ and woman that did follow him? Um, so women priests in different um, religions, even in, in Hinduism, there are um, very rare, e extremely cases because of the biologically to be unfit to the job because of the menstruation. But this our, is our why, colors, which I was hoping you respond to, are saying it is God's ordination. God ordained that men become leaders of There is and so no forth. place in the Jewish Bible that says that women cannot be rabbis. Rabbis is a teacher. Yeah, we're not talking about there rabbis. There is no we're place. Talking, we're talking about, we're talking about the, the, the office of priest, and we're talking about the offices that women now have been moving to go into. Rabbis, you can be a teacher all you like. You teach. But rabbi anyway. is a teacher. Yeah. Rabbi is also someone who performs all the life cycle events. Rabbi is someone who leads the congregation. And there is no issue that woman will lead the congregation. Yeah. And woman will be a preacher in the shul, in the synagogue. Yeah. Okay. Let's have our guests also okay. bring their responses. Um, uh, Reverend Doctor, uh, would you like to respond to the callers as well? Because some of the questions were directed at you. Yes, I, I think questions that I've heard, Anaya. Yes, ma'am. Um, the, the gentleman from Cape Town says um, uh, no woman is born uh, uh, without an argument of men. I'm, I'm say, the opposite say that again, ma'am. I'm struggling to hear you. Forgive me. I can't hear yes. you. Say that again, please. Okay. Yeah, uh, the question was what she said, the, the comment he made was that there is no woman who is born without the involvement of, of a man. So I'm saying the opposite is also true. There is no man who will be born without the involvement. No, that's, that's, that's not what he was saying, Reverend Doctor. He was saying oh, okay. um, the, Jesus was born without the involvement of a man. And his oh. point there is there are parts where men are excluded in the Bible and there are parts where women are excluded. And his issue is that is evidence for him that the Bible is not biased. It simply is okay. giving people their responsibilities. All right. Yeah. Okay. But now, when it comes to being disciples of Christ, we, Christ has given us all that has ordained us or has called us to follow him. And therefore, if you follow Christ, he makes it very clear, become my eyes, become my ears, become my feet, become my ears, so that the list of this, are touched by you as I have touched them uh, myself. So we are all being commissioned to do Christ's work. All right. So, so ordination, as, as, my, as my rabbi has said, is, is, is about teaching.
preaching is about preaching. It's about blessing people. It's about uh, giving Holy Communion. It's, it's about baptizing. It's about doing what Christ did and has called us to do. Another one that I want to address is about Paul when the gentleman says, Paul says this and we say, I don't want to listen to Paul. Many people don't understand that um, every uh, book in the Bible has its own context. Paul sometimes was correcting situational problems. That's why when he gets to the Corinthians, he says, you keep quiet, you don't say anything. But when he gets to Galatians, he said, there is neither male nor female, we are one together. As, 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 as people created in the image But of even God. in Galatians, Reverend Doctor, he does not say that women can do what he said women can no longer do. At no point does, does Paul contradict himself. When he says there is not a Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, that is not a sta- statement that, that can be translated to mean women now can now take over the roles of men. You cannot find that theology. Quite frankly, any hermeneutic to that effect would be, well, going against your contemporaries. But, but, but what, what is he saying then? When he says, neither male nor female, no, no Jew nor Gentile, he's saying, obviously now, you, 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 you occupy the same platform. There is no one who's higher than the other. So Paul was correcting the situational problem when he said to the Corinthians what he said. All right. We have to understand that. He, he quoted a text I'm asking you to respond to directly. He quoted First Timothy chapter 2, and he read verse 12. I'm going to read it from the New King, the King James Version. It reads, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam, that's verse 13, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression notwithstanding shall she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety that's 14 and 15 kind of respond to that that's it. that was his text that he referenced to say women are not supposed to stand before men yeah now you also go back to the practical community that we live in Paul was living in that patriarchal community as well and saying to women, they should keep quiet and men should prevail. In other words, you think... Hold on, Reverend Doctor. Are you suggesting that now Paul was no longer led by the Spirit? Are you suggesting that he was speaking from the patriarchal system he came from? All of them. If you read the Bible, if you read Paul, in, in, in this book, Paul will say something different in this book will say something contrary to what You have not given us that evidence to that effect, ma'am. What I'm asking you now is a direct question. Are you therefore suggesting that throughout the Bible, including Paul, that these men wrote not because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but because they were informed by patriarchy? Is that what you're saying, Reverend Doctor? They were inspired within their own culture. They were inspired within their own culture. That's why Niba says, when Jesus came, he was part of his culture. But when the culture was life-denying, Jesus will say, this part of culture, I'm not going to go with. 
uh, but you don't find that again that, that there is no such text in Jesus' words, madam. There is nowhere where you. I'm not quite sure if you're able to quote a text for, for that, where Jesus says that. There is no way you're going to find that. Let, let's let's go to the woman who was caught committing adultery. What did they say? Stone her. She has to die. And so, and Jesus said, "Those who have not seen, let them do it." That is exactly that. Because that culture was life denying to a woman. That was not culture, Reverend Doctor. That was the, that was the instruction of Moses for discipline purposes. That was it was not cultural. It was a, 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 an instruction by Moses in, 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 in what you call the Pentateuch. I want to bring in um, uh, Dr. Mdende as well. Dr. Mdende, you're listening to your contemporaries. It seems as though there's a big jostling for uh, the role of the man and negating uh, that the role of the man has a particular purpose, as you seem to be suggesting. Your response? I'm very worried now because of time. I don't think it's fair because this debate, I think to me, it was just biblical. So I, I don't think this problem will be solved because as long as we do not separate the two, I, I'm just proposing that there must be a time where we are being asked to make comments now on the, what uh, Reverend Mehana was saying to say, put aside the book, and now come to this, talk about the reality. So now, to me, to, 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 to just in two minutes before the news to, to say anything, I think, I think right. it's a fetal exercise because the discussion was not balanced at all, and I'm not comfortable when I'm invited to discuss uh, with the people that are discussing the Bible. All right. So I think um, next time when I'm invited, it must be... Uh, because okay. we cannot let me let me give this the, I, I I hear you, ma'am. I want, I want to bring um, um, uh, re, the rabbi to give to take the the remaining minutes if you are unable to to use them, uh, rabbi. Um, um, you, you get the parting shot. I think that separation um, from um, the man was created by the rabbis in the Mishnah and in the Talmud in much later stage. The reasoning behind this law, this halacha, was that a woman and her body would distract man and give them impure thoughts during prayer. And due to this rabbinical interpretation, scholars have seen the woman's role in the synagogue is very limited and sometimes it didn't even exist. But we need to remember that the future might depend on the status of woman. That's number one. Because both within society and within the churches and synagogues themselves, but the source and the creator makes very little, if any, discrimination. This is very important to remember. And I believe, if this is the final uh, words that I'm allowed to say here, that internal balance of masculine and feminine, this principle is what is important. Because you can have a man who will be very nurturing and very feminine in a way, and you will have a woman with a masculine uh, uh, um Cre uh, uh, principles in her life. Right. Therefore, the balance right needs to be. I hear in you. Birth. I hear you. Gotta end it right there. Our time is up. I do apologize that this conversation. Cannot, I believe we should it, continue it that. Cannot, I understand. It can. It cannot be ever balanced when we're going to have um, three guests and two of them use the Bible. It is going to be uh, Bible leaning. Two of the views will be from the Bible and that one. So that is why it seemed as though it is not balanced. Two of our guests 
use that Bible, even though they're from different faiths. That's how we're going to lead our con- leave our conversation. For me, Nayelu Pondwana, and the team, have a wonderful evening, and Godspeed. Up next, the news.